Hi, my name's Louise Gardner and I'm the Founder and Managing Director of Pledge Consulting and of course the host of the PMO and Project Leadership Podcast. This short series is titled the PMO Masterclass. I'm going to be talking to PMO leaders from around Australia and the world uh, and trying to find out what are the common elements in PMO success. The PMO Masterclass series is sponsored by Pledge Consulting's new Elevate programme a five-month professional development program designed to take project and PMO professionals to the next level of their career. In this episode, I'm joined by Liz Connolly. Liz talks about her journey into PMO leadership and shares with us some of the twists and turns she's had along the way. She talks a little bit about the transferable skills she's picked up through working in different project environments and generally shares some tips with us about learning the ropes to PMO. Without further ado, let's cut to it. Okay, so today I'm delighted to welcome Liz Connolly to the podcast. Liz Connolly is a Gold Coast-based PMO leader, currently working in local government, and focuses at the moment on both portfolio and project-level governance. Liz has got more than 23 years project and PMO experience, mostly across telecommunications and local government. And Liz, amazing to have you with us. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast just by way of uh, kicking off, can you tell us a little bit about what interests you about PMO and, and how did you get started in this line of work? Uh, thank you. It's really great to be here. It's not often that a PMO professional gets asked to appear on a podcast. So thank you for actually putting this podcast together. I, um, I'm what you would call an accidental project manager. So um, back in the 90s, so that's making me feel old. I was um, asked to be a like a business representative on a ICT project when I worked for a large telecommunications company. Then um, there weren't very many telcos back then, so you can um, work out which one that might have been. And um, knew nothing about projects, but when I joined um, the the department, um, you know, it was what in hindsight I would say is a quite a traditional sort of ICT product development project. Um, and I was asked to provide, I suppose, business process advice um, to the project. And they were using all sorts of PMBOK language and all sorts of things. Um, I really enjoyed working on projects because I felt that I was, you know, we were really achieving some outcomes and producing, you know, really clear deliverables. So I think that kind of sparked my interest in rather than just doing sort of business as usual, repetitive operational work, which is was which was the area I was from. I just I don't know projects were interesting, they were exciting. You felt like you're achieving something. So um, the area that had seconded me to provide advice actually asked if I wanted to join their PMO and be um, a project officer. I think at the time, which I didn't even know what that was to be honest. <laughs> Um, and I suppose I started bottom up, you know, uh, supporting senior project managers in project assurance and governance. Um, and then eventually working my way to um, do be a feasibility manager, uh, you know. So in that, I suppose, environment, we were looking at new products to compete with the other telco provider. So um, our marketing and product development teams were coming up with different ideas and we had to, you know, look at how feasible they were, test the market before launching new products. And, yeah, I just got caught up in that world. <laughs> so oftentimes people um, who enter the project space accidentally um, or, or on purpose, 
get focused on project delivery and and kind of progress into those kinds of delivery roles. What was it about PMO that made you want to make that your home? Oh, look, I, I certainly think that sense of achievement and satisfaction from delivering the initiatives. And look, I was a bit lucky because I was working for a very big telecommunication provider and a lot of the initiatives that we were working on, I could physically see out in the, in the real world. So that was very attractive. And I was young. I was like in my early 20s. So, you know, there was that shine, I suppose, back then. Um, but it's very satisfying to see a television ad and say, oh, actually, I was a part of that <laughs> thing. Um, so I suppose that was the initial shine. But then um, if you do any of those personality tests, I'm also, I like to plan and organise just naturally. Mm-hmm. So that actually appealed to those personal values and um, I suppose my personality type. And I thought this is great, a job where you can, plan and organize and get stuff done I didn't know it was called project management by the way (laughs) I just knew that's what I like to do yeah yeah um you and I I think met maybe three or four years ago now maybe maybe even longer time time flies you can't count the last two years hey um so I, I know personally that you are you know fairly high performing PMO leader and have been in all the time that we've known each other so Tell me a little bit about the journey from that starting point 23 years ago to, to where you've come to now, looking at portfolio governance and, and really, you know, I, I feel like you, what you are doing now is 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 gone all the way from project officer and you're more in that strategic kind of lens or, or certainly can be. What's that journey been like? What have, what, what have some of the twists and turns been uh, along the way? Sure. Um, look, I think... Just by chance, after I finished my stint at the telecommunication organisation, look, I went on maternity leave. That was a trigger um, to sort of stop that space. But then when I went to come back into the the job market, I um, managed to get a role in as a contract administrator, like in the in the infrastructure space, so the building kind of infrastructure industry, because I'd. A lot of the skill sets that I'd learnt from my project officer and project management role, you know, you had to procure things, you had to engage vendors, you had to manage contracts. That I'd actually built a very good transferable skill set. So that kind of led me down one path. Um, And then once I had about sort of, I had a 12-month period where I was just doing that kind of work and then then that got me into infrastructure projects and then, I saw a role at a local government um, organisation, a smaller local government organisation, which wanted a project officer. And even though it was in a completely different product portfolio space, I thought, well, I felt I had transferable skills that I could contribute. And so I somehow in my interview process managed to um, convince them that as well, that I could take those skills and and reapply it into their space. Um, so there's probably a leap of faith, to be honest, from from that side of the fence too. And, um, you know, then I learned, you know, a new product lifecycle. I learned about how infrastructure projects work. So I think certainly, you know, if I speak to junior project managers who are just starting, I always say there's absolutely some transferable skills. Um, and 
but you do need to, if you want to switch industries, it would be no different to me saying I'd like to be a wedding planner. Um, you know, you, you still need project management skills and, and techniques, but you do have to learn about the industry that you're going into because there are, there are nuances in their life cycles and, and approaches. So, um, you know, I had to be prepared to step down and, and start at a lower level and, and learn some of that industry-specific work. And, um, but then once I had done that, I found it was very quickly to go. It didn't, I think it was only 24 months, and then I went back into a program manager-style role. Yeah. in a completely different portfolio, you know, to what I'd originally started in. Great, yeah. I, uh, I was always told that it was extremely difficult to switch industries as a, as a PMO professional. So when I first moved to Australia, I had been working with utilities engineering for eight or nine years then. And then when I came to Australia, most of the work was more in technology and I was told, oh, you're, no, no, that's too, too hard. Um, and I didn't find it particularly difficult to transfer those skills. What I find now, though, because our business deals with both IT and traditional infrastructure projects, most of our, our staff and our contractors, they're not confident enough to move between domains. So it's not that they can't. You know, my view is principles are the same. It's just the languages that are a bit different. Um, so what would, you, what would you recommend to people who are struggling with the little... The, the confidence to take that leap because that's the issue right I'm glad you I'm really glad you said that because I think principles are, are very much the same yes well look it I think it's I mean there's obviously a mindset thing so you do need to take that leap of faith um, but I think when you do um, I would start small like I wouldn't take that leap of faith at a very huge complex you know, um, project, but maybe start small so that you can learn the ropes a little bit and, um, you know, not be afraid that whilst you're learning, you make, you know, some kind of detrimental impact <laughs> on what you're doing. Um, you know, um, finding a good, like I found a very good mentor when I was switching who, you know, made the time to help me get up to speed with the lingo you know so I could learn about design construction survey that kind of thing versus you know product ICT product development so you do need to find a, a good mentor who's willing to take you under their wing and teach you some of the lingo um, um, and you know you do need to be open to learning that and knowing that it I suppose in addition to jumping into a role that might be in a different area you do have to do a little bit of homework <laughs> you know it's just increasing you don't have to go and get an engineering degree because I still do not have an IT or an engineering degree um, but you just need to be willing to put some extra time in to learn and just not not be afraid to fail but as obviously because you're often working for customers or, or you know delivering service for other people you can't cut your teeth on something that's really highly critical to someone's yes. business. Yes, great, yeah. great piece of advice. Was there anything that did bring you unstuck there, pull you up short for, for a moment? Oh, look, I think um, I had some stakeholders when I first changed who were very, they probably placed more value on the technical element of the role um, and... Um, I suppose, didn't see the value of the, the generalist project management skill that could be applied to an infrastructure project. 
Um, and it wasn't until I was, I think I was partnered with a very technical officer and rather than make one of us completely in charge of the whole thing, we were like a duo. One person had the technical skill, I had more the project management and we combined um, to add value and that gave me some confidence but it also gave the other officers some confidence to learn more about the project management side. And, you know, structuring information, planning, a few other things like that, um, that that seemed to help. And then that seemed to help the team that I was in understand the difference between being a very good technical person who understands yes. how a footpath can be constructed versus a person who is also um, very good at, you know, planning and delivering the end-to-end, looking at the schedule, looking at all the components of mm. what it takes to build that footpath. Um, pulling a project team together, that kind of stuff. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so thinking about um, going into organisations, setting up PMOs, project officers, um, regardless of whether it's um, engineering, whether it's IT, whether it's local government or, or telcos, what are the common challenges that you've faced when you go into those environments and you, you start either setting up a PMO or, or, or rebooting a PMO? Um, what, are you, what are you struggling with? Um, I think essentially whenever I've gone into an organisation, uh, the first thing I try and understand is what are the pain points they're trying to address by establishing a PMO? Because most, uh, not all organisations have P3M maturity, which is our jargon, isn't it? But where they they understand theoretically the benefits of a P3M model, blah, blah, blah. They don't have that, but something usually happens in their projects space. Something's going wrong. They're not spending their money. They're not delivering their projects. That will they have unhappy customers. So there's some kind of pain point. Yeah. Um, so really understanding that because they might think they need a certain type of PMO. They might want a project delivery office or something but if you look at the pain points it just might be they haven't you know got a very good portfolio pipeline so it doesn't matter how well you can deliver all the wrong projects really well if that makes sense but you know that might not be solving the problem so you really have to look at the pain points to see is it some kind of investment decision making you know issue is it just purely a project delivery performance issue that we're trying to address. Um, And then you look at what kind of PMO should you be based on that? What kind of service offering should you have? Um, There is the mistake of trying to mean too many things to everybody with a PMO. Um, You know, particularly if it's viewed as the silver bullet to all the problems, you can still fail because you're still trying to, you know, be a portfolio office and a project delivery office and an insurance office and a, and a whatever. So I would, um, you try and understand the pain points and the, and then what would make the biggest impact for the organisation. And it could just be focusing in on one particular element, um, let's say portfolio development, um, and addressing that first. And then seeing if you need to add on any other functions or services. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, we were chatting in the office here the other day about um, we've actually got a new member of, of our sales team actually who doesn't have a have a background in project management or PMOs. We were trying to explain to him 
what is a PMO? And, you know, we were there for about two hours. Well, it's this and it's that and it's the other and it's an EPMO or a portfolio management office. And um, it was actually a really good conversation to revisit because, of course, when you know this stuff, you don't think about it in those terms. But actually, every PMO I've touched has been slightly different in in some way. Um, so there is no hard and fast, this is a, is a PMO. So you make a really good point. You need to make one that's fit for purpose for what the organisation actually needs. And absolutely. And also I think the other critical factor for me is understanding how the PMO works with the other functions in your organisation. So if you have a finance department and a CFO, what is the relationship between the PMO and that department? What are those common processes? You know, do we need to integrate? Is there a thrown and a catching of business process between those two functions? You know, um, what's the, yeah, you could have an ICT operations area that are going to receive all these products that you're going to deliver. Um, what's the relationship between your PMO and that function? So yes. really understanding your business landscape, the other functions and how, how we should connect together. So it sounds like if you, you know, at a macro level, these are very common challenges, but at a micro level, if you were to sit down and map it out, it would be very different for every organisation. <laughs> Absolutely. So we talked about some common challenges, which is great. What about um, key elements to success? So you've faced all of those initial challenges, you know, what kind of PMO you're setting up, you know, who's reporting to who, Um what are, what are you doing that's the same in, in every PMO to take it from, okay, we're meeting a base need here to, okay, now we've got a high-performing PMO? Number one for me is the people and stakeholder engagement um, because it, it, it is all about people in terms of it's about personalities, it's about egos, it's about delivering some benefits for people. So... Um, I think that the soft skills that we probably don't talk, we didn't used to talk about a lot back in the 90s, everything, all the PMO training was around technical things and process procedure artefacts, but really willing to listen, understand, um, you know, engage, collaborate, that's the heart of it. The, the technical stuff, you know, we can all learn, but to succeed and, and, and you know, show people that your PMO can add value it's all about how you engage listen collaborate with those people yeah great agree with you 100% so what have your over the last 23 years what have your been your highlights or your career defining moments that have, have really kept you engaged and excited by by this kind of work um, look I mentioned earlier I think the ability to switch industries to this day is still an absolute highlight for me um, because I think that's um, been really interesting and just personally um, has helped me grow. Um, from a, In a more recent times, uh, certainly I introduced um, capital prioritisation to a, a smaller local government and who was in a, a deficit at the time and I really felt like I added value. I felt like I was able to engage with councillors, you know, the mayor, the executive leadership team and and build, you know, the, the criteria, um, show how it connects to the community and investment decision-making and really get them along that journey but then also 
to see it applied and, and it made a difference to them. It made an absolute tangible difference to their financial sustainability um, was just incredibly satisfying. I think particularly because I work in the local government space, all of us join because we want to make a difference to the community. Mm. Not all of us can be frontline service delivery. Yeah. So to be a back of house function and still feel that my team and I could provide value to the community through something that seemed very theoretical, portfolio management, um, was just incredibly satisfying. Yeah. Great, great. So finally, um, you know, believe it or not, there are people out there who aspire to do what you and I do. And <laughs> um, uh, what advice would you give someone, you know, in your shoes back in, in the 90s, um, starting off in a, in a fairly junior role, but looking at the big jobs and, and making a difference, adding value, what, what advice would you give to that person starting their PMO journey today? Wow. Um, look, certainly be willing to learn the ropes and not just your project management ropes, but be willing to understand more about what your team does, you know, the different a business analyst or a designer. Be willing to understand their world a little bit more. Um, because, you know, you're leading a team. That's essentially really important. Um, Team leadership skills and capability certainly don't just focus on the technical elements, you know, don't focus on going out to get your Prince 2 certification or your PMP certification, et cetera. Essentially, a project manager is bringing a team of people together to achieve an outcome with that comes personalities it comes personal life all that kind of stuff and I'm the reason I think that I've been able to move into a leader so I'm more in a leadership role than I have anything now is because I built those team leadership and people capabilities as I went Mm. um and that's that was far more critical but when I originally went into project management I was told to go and do a you know PMBOK course and people are still told that today, by the way. Yeah, you know, go and get your diploma in project management, do your Reg PM back in the day, that's what it was called. Whereas in hindsight, I would have probably spent more time learning about team leadership and people, you know, development and, and management, that kind of stuff. So all of those certifications are, you know, it's, it's are somewhat important, but they're not the whole world. Uh, and nobody Correct. actually... Nobody actually tells you that, hey? Um, you have That's to learn right. that through, through pain and experience. <laughs> All right, Liz, it's been fantastic to talk to you today and learn a bit more about your journey. Thank you for so much for, for being on the podcast. And, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing. No worries. Thank you so much. And thank you again for um, bringing a project management podcast out there for everyone. Thanks, Liz.